I want to look at something that I think will be encouraging to us because we need some encouragement sometimes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want you to know that no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what your kids are doing, no matter how bad things are at your job, no matter how difficult that guy is to live with, that you're with, or that your guy, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to name you there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you call you out. <laughs> First Thessalonians, chapter 4. That word, Thessalonians. Chapter 4. No matter... Your cars are breaking down. <laughs> your car, your house is a problem. It doesn't matter because Jesus is still on the throne and the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for you. Yes, amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You know, you can preach right there. <laughs> we are not like the, them. And, and I'm not saying that to belittle anybody. I'm saying that as a child of God, we are not like the world who has no hope. We as children of God have hope. And Scripture tells us that hope maketh not ashamed. There's nothing shameful about hope. Verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. How does he finish it? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, I pray that you'll direct today. Lord, encourage your people. And Lord, help us always remember what we have and hope, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I believe it's Peter that tells us in the last days that scoffers will come. There will be scoffers. They will scoff at us. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For everything goes on just like it has from the beginning. Nothing's changed. You've been talking this this rapture stuff for decades, for hundreds of years now. It ain't happened. And they will scoff and sneer at the hope that is in us. But that does not affect our hope. Because our hope is grounded on the foundation of the Almighty God and His Word. The Lord is coming back. Yes. And when we look at everything going on in the world, we get we, we fret about it sometimes. And and I guess if that's okay. Uh, and let me let me clarify that. What's happening in the world should not discourage us, and it should not 
make us live in fear. God did not call us to live in fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He doesn't want us to live in fear. But I think it would be foolish to say we look at what's happening in the world today and not be distressed some. I mean, it is distressing. But the thing that we have to realize is everything that is stacking up is one step closer to the day that the, the trumpet will sound. So it's kind of like you have to get through this. You know, I, I guess the thing that comes to my mind is when I was a kid, I don't know about anybody else here, this boy hated school. There was not a word created in the English language to describe the depth of my hatred for school. I hated it. They hated me being there. <laughs> Typically, they paddled me and sent me home. <laughs> it was kind of an ongoing thing. And to me, school, every day that I went through the torture of going to school was just to remind me that summer was coming. <laughs> I was hanging my hat on summer. If you're ever in the military, you know what a short-timers calendar was. I had a short-timers calendar for school, my school year. Just how many days were left until summer got there. And you know, that's kind of just a, an example of what we look at every day that things don't go right. Every day that the kids break our hearts. Every day that the money isn't quite there to meet the bills. Every day that the car breaks down. Every day that this goes on is a reminder that I'm just that much closer to the day that the trumpet will sound. My hope stands in Christ. I want you to understand that the Lord is coming back for His children. And He says, I would ha not have you ignorant. I don't want you ignorant in this. We have to realize that those who are dead already hit the jackpot. <laughs> when they know the Lord Jesus Christ, they've already hit the jackpot. They've, they've already got the way. And we, we are brokenhearted when we lose somebody. It, it breaks our heart. It's, it, it's heavy on us. But in a sense, it's a celebration time of knowing that that person is now in the presence of God. Paul says, I, I, you know, I'm here in the body, but to be absent, for, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, to be in, in the presence of Almighty God. And so those times that we, we, we're brokenhearted because we lose somebody, we have to also back up and realize that that person is now in the presence of Almighty God. And so we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we have to understand that we will rise with Him because He says that we will come uh, with Him. And so what does He tell us about this? Verse 16, everybody knows this if you've been a Christian for very long. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now see, the most popular view is, and, and you know, I'm not a pre-tripper. I'm just not. Uh, it's one of those things where I grew up believing the pre-tribulation rapture, which basically, for anybody that doesn't know, that just means that, that uh, before things get really nasty and the tribulation takes place and, and the Antichrist rises to power and, and the attacks come uh, against the saints of God that the Lord will rapture everybody out in this secret rapture. You've seen the movies, you know. It's a secret thing. Uh, What's that left behind? You know, one day it's like, oh, where'd everyone go? Planes are crashing, you know. And 
Husbands are driving along, and all of a sudden their wives their wives gone. You know, and then, what, what happened? Boom. And, and years before that, if you remember years ago, there was what was that called? Thief in the night. Wasn't that it? Thief in the night. Don't really remember much about that movie other than that girl ran everywhere she went. I just remember that about the movie. She ran everywhere. And so, uh, but this is a view that's a popular view. But I want you to look at what Scripture tells us about this secret rapture. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with what? Yes, that's a shout. Yes. <laughs> and the voice of the archangel and the da, 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 trump of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound quiet to me. I don't think God's having a secret going on here. It sounds pretty, pretty loud. Everybody's going to know. In fact, Scripture says that every eye shall see him yes. and they that pierced him, meaning the people who died. 2,000 years ago are going to see Him just like the people walking on the earth today are going to see Him when He appears in the cloud. This is what you call a gotcha moment. Mm -hmm. This is an uh-oh moment. This is when these people who have sat in church and heard the gospel and played games and thought it was a joke and didn't pay attention and didn't care are walking down the street and bam, God is in the cloud blowing a trumpet and, and, the, and the archangel and they go, oh no. Oh wow. I thought I had till tomorrow at least. That's a gotcha moment. That's when Bill Maher, who says his anti-Christian, atheistic nonsense and bashes us and ridicules us and, and calls us names and says how stupid we are, all of a sudden goes, uh-oh, I may have just stepped in it. <laughs> Pretty deeply right here. This is a gotcha moment. God is going to let everybody on the earth who has ever lived witness the moment that God comes back for His church. Yes. <laughs> what an exciting time that is. Not going to be no secret rapture. You know, I always thought that was kind of rude. You're on a 747 flying across the ocean and the, the pilot gets raptured. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. Back this train up. That's not cool. <laughs> Yeah, at least you hope that the, the, the co-pilot's not saved. I mean, somebody's got to be lost so they can fly this plane. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we ever be with the Lord. We will never, ever lose our walk with God. That trumpet is the seal that says you're mine. You're not going anywhere. Amen. You will never again be defeated. You will never again face torment and trials and tribulations. You are saved, blood-bought, and uh, going to spend eternity with the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says, Behold, He cometh in the cloud, and every eye, as I said, will see Him, and they that pierce Him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail. Because of him. Even so, amen. 
That gotcha moment. Revelation chapter 6 talks about the tribulation. <laughs> Daniel, you don't have to go there because I'm going to go through several of them here. I'm just trying to make a, I'm trying to lay out a, an understanding. I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, so it doesn't make sense for me to pre preach pre-tribulation rapture. I, I believe it's very clear in Scripture. The pattern is always the same. Revelation chapter 6 is basically talking about the, the tribulation and the, the, the difficult times that the saints are going through. Daniel chapter 725 uh, is, is a parallel passage of that where the Antichrist is given the authority and the power to wear out the saints. We're going to get wore out for, for 42 months, three and a half years. The Antichrist is going to unleash. Now see, the problem with pre-trib, I've never understood. Their logic is that... God raptures us out because God's people never go through the wrath of God. And I agree with them. They're absolutely correct in that. But they also believe that a whole bunch of people get saved after the rapture. And then the wrath of God is poured out. And those people are saved. Doesn't that... If He took us out of here so we don't go through the wrath and then a bunch of people get saved and go through the wrath. That doesn't make sense to me. And that's one of them things that's just inconsistent in my brain. And so... What we have to understand is that tribulation and the wrath of God are two completely different concepts. They are showed at different time frames in Scripture. Tribulation, in the, in the purest definition of the word, basically means persecution of the saints or, or trials of the saints. It is a time of trouble for us. That's what tribulation is. And so Revelation chapter 6 and 5 in that area is talking about those Tribulation times, those difficult times where the saints are having a very hard time. Revelation chapter 7 starts out and says there was a silence in the heavens for the space of 30 minutes. Now an old friend of mine, don't, don't hurt me here, it was his joke. Old friend of mine says that's how you can tell there's no women in heaven. Because there was silence in the space of 30 minutes. <laughs> I know that was... That wasn't my joke. I'll blame that on Edward. That was his. <laughs> so, Revelation chapter 7 is basically an outline of, of the rapture time. This is when the saints of God are no longer on earth. They are now in heaven. You see that in chapter 7. Revelation chapter 8 is the beginning of the day of the Lord. See, people talk about the day of the Lord like it's a good thing. Oh boy, I can't wait till the day of the Lord. You don't want the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a bad thing. That's when the, the wrath is poured out. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 through 18, it says, And the great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet. Well, let me back up. And you know they're talking about the same thing, and, and if I had time I'd go through all these scriptures, but you know scripture tells us, uh, Matthew 24, it says immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven. See, Zephaniah is talking about the same Thing. He says it's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Verse 16 says, a day of the trumpet 
and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers, and I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as a dust and their flesh as a dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But whole land shall be devoured by fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Anybody ever says they want the day of the Lord? They have no idea what the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord, well, First Thessalonians, or I think it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, says that when he that restraineth is taken out of the way, when the Spirit of God is taken off the earth, what's happening then? The children of God are gone. Everybody that is protected is gone. The Holy Spirit rises off the earth. And He says, had at it. And then the day of the Lord. You don't want to be here for that day. That's going to be a horrible, miserable time where God says, you've rejected me, you've spit in my face, you've defied me, you have been disobedient and defiant of me, and now I am doing nothing but pouring out the wrath. And Revelation says that for five months that, that, that wrath will pour out at one, and just one of the, the trumpets, that, that wrath will pour out and... People will beg to die. They will beg to die. They will want to die. But they will not be able to find death. Why? Because God is pouring out His wrath on a rebellious and wicked people. Yeah. You know what? We're not here for that. Amen. As long as you know God, you're not here for that. God does not pour His wrath out on His people. He never has. You can see it in uh, clear back in the Old Testament when God was about to pour out His wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah. What did God do? He took the only righteous people and He moved them aside. He said, let me move you right on out of town because I've got a woman coming to that town. <laughs> Things are going to get ugly. When God was going to flood the earth, He took the righteous people and He placed them inside of an ark and they floated above the wrath of God as it was being poured out on the earth. You can see that in the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. Israel was right there. They were right there. They weren't off in some distance. They were right there. And the wrath of God was being poured out about them, around them. God will always protect His people. But we have to understand that we, I, I think it's kind of an escape mentality. We just want to escape. Uh, you know, oh, I, before things get really ugly, we're going to be gone. There's going to be a time where the Antichrist will have authority to wear out the saints of God for 42 months. Mm -hmm. And I talked about that one last week, week before, when I, was, I think it was last week, where God is basically purging His church. He is doing a purging work. Purging is done... Uh, through tribulation. That's when the, the cleaning, the house cleaning takes place. That's when the, He separates the sheep from the goats, the ones that are truly His and the ones who are not. Again, Matthew 24, 29 says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. This is right after that. Now, let me back up, because I think I also went over Matthew 24 in the last couple of, of weeks. Matthew 24 gives you the whole thing. 
the disciples came to Jesus and they asked Him a point-blank direct question. They said, What shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? That's a point-blank, straight-out question. Jesus goes through the, the litany of it. He says, you will see, uh, you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars, there will be pestilence, earthquake in various places, it's going to get really, don't worry about that, that's just the beginning of sorrows. That's just the start of it. But then he says, you will be betrayed, you will be persecuted. That persecution, that's the, that tribulation coming down. There will be a time of severing and cleaning when God is cleaning out His church. And that time will, 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 will be a time when the Antichrist, I guess, will do his thing. It says that, that the Antichrist will rise to power and he will commit the abomination of desolation, which means that he will stand in the most holy place and proclaim himself as God. And then you get down to verse 29. This is after all that. Nowhere in there is there some secret rapture where people disappear. It's not there. Verse 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, if you're here right then, what are you thinking? This is going to be a bad day. <laughs> this is a terrifying time. The, sun, the stars are falling from heaven. The, the, the sun quits giving its light. The moon is no longer giving light. It is a Time of utter darkness. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. It's all the same. Zephaniah, Matthew, Thessalonians, Daniel, they all have that same uh, image of Him appearing in the, in the, in the sky. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man come in the clouds of heaven with power and great authority, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Another thing that you see in all of the passages about the, the gathering of the saints. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That gathering takes place. In Daniel, you see the, 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 the whole prophecy of Daniel, and especially in chapters 8, 9, 10, 11. Through that, you see the wars that are taking place. This king rises against that king, and the rise of the Antichrist, and all of the stuff about him. It even throws in there that he has no regard for women, so you wonder, if, is he homosexual? Is he... A machine? I'm not sure. When it comes to the Antichrist, honestly, I have no idea. It's just a weird line that's in there. It isn't until chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 1, and it says, At that time shall Michael, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, see the parallels? Michael is the archangel. Stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered everyone that is found written in the book everyone that is found written in the book the rapture takes place in chapter 12 of Daniel not beforehand and I say this because I want us to understand we're not escape artists 
as children of God. God says there are things that are going to take place. These things are going to happen. And there's a problem when we think, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to be concerned about that because I'm just going to be out of here. And this has been a problem down through the ages, and I've, I've shared this with you before. Uh, let me back up a little bit. The, the, the preacher of rapture concept really didn't ever get prominence or any kind of recognition. or uh, It really wasn't even around <laughs> up until about 1830. Uh, a group called the Urbanites in, in Europe. They didn't have a pastor. They were what you would call a what we would call a charismatic type group. They they everybody prophesied at each other all the time, and there was no actual structure of the group. They were a very loose knit group, and there was a young girl, fifteen year old girl named Margaret McDonald. She had a revelation from God, and in that revelation, uh, it was part the part of that revelation was that before the real trouble hit the earth, that the church would be raptured out. Well, John Darby was a part of that group. Darby, of course, wrote a lot of books and he wrote study Bibles. And so from there, the concept of the pre-tribulation rapture got legs. That's where it came from. Uh, and, and it got prominence from that point. And so you had so many Christians. This spread through Europe like a fire. It became very powerful in Europe. And so then you had World War II take place. And European Christians were convinced that they didn't have to worry about anything. The Germans weren't going to do anything to them because before anything like that happened, they were going to be raptured. And Europe was the hub of Christianity in a lot of sense at that time. Most of our great preachers came out of places like Germany that is now a completely secular nation. And we see that take place. And so what happened in World War II is Christians got caught completely off guard. They, they literally got blindsided because they were so convinced that they were going to be raptured. And then they had tanks driving down their streets and their children and wives being drugged off to camps and bombs landing in their houses. And it was a horrible, horrible time. And what happened to the faith of Europe is it was crushed. Multitudes turned away from God because they, their faith was destroyed because they had a bad concept of what was supposed to happen in the last days. This is why I think it's extremely dangerous to have the teaching of the pre-tribulation rapture. Folks, we're going to go through hard times. We're not going to escape these things and just, boom, magically be gone. I'm, if I'm wrong, please, God, let me be wrong. If I'm wrong... I will be up there in the clouds of glory with the same thank God I was wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. But we have to understand that I just know it's just not there. Find a pre-tribulation preacher and ask him. Show me a verse that says that. He will not show you a verse that says that. It, it, and I can go to the uh, Boxer Rebellion and different examples where the same thing happened. Christians were caught completely off guard because they had a view that they were going to escape. We're not going to escape, but God, Daniel says, that God will help us during that time. Daniel also says that the earth will help His people during that time. It doesn't, I'm not saying that we're without help. I'm saying we're going to go through very difficult times. But God's hand will never leave us and He will never forsake us. We will not be defeated because the power of Almighty God will be there to help us in the midst of those times. 
And here's the problem. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is an interesting thing. Every time that, back in the, in the days of exploration, every time they found a new tribe, every time they found a new civilization, they found that that civilization worshipped God. A God of some kind. Every civilization worshipped a God. There has always been worship in every civilization. This is the first time in the history of mankind where the nations of the world as a whole are moving away from a belief in God. There have been nations that have, that have had secular times or rejected God. This is the first time today in our generation is the first time that the world as a whole has begun to move away from God. Why? Because they're beginning to worship themselves. The beginning, the, the worship of self has become, and I've preached on this many times, the self-worship in church nowadays. Most sermons across the, the country are preaching about you. It's all about you. Everything you want, everything you need, it's all taken care of. It's all about you. Revelation 13, 18 says, and I'm going to give you my idea on this verse. Here is wisdom. Let him that understand have half understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 6306 that article a where it says for it is the number of a man that article a really shouldn't be there it is the number of man is actual what the, the the direct greek says so when you see that it says let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. And his number is 603 score and 6. 6, 6, 6. Now we have had a comical, <laughs> silly <laughs> uh, rendering of that number down through the ages. Everybody's terrified if they happen to see a number 666 on anything. There was a church in Colorado Springs, their address was 666. I think it was Platte Road or Galley Road, I don't remember. 666. You know, that's just bad when your church has 666 for an address. <laughs> that's just a really bad sign. People get paranoid over this number 666. Every president since Jesus, every world leader since Jesus' time has been labeled an Antichrist because if you twisted their name around enough ways, you can make it equal 666. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Woo! 666. And you have all these different things. Every single president in Obama is no different. They have labeled him as the Antichrist. He's it. Because he equals up to 666 somehow. I don't know. Henry Kissinger, it's been down through the ages. I think, my interpretation, my idea, I think they're missing it. I don't think God was trying to tell us to look for some dude with a 666. He's, what he's saying is, he is the number, it is a number of man. The number of man. Now, we have to understand, seven is God's number, right? The number of completion. Six is man's number, the number of man. It is the number of not completed. Scripture tells us that the earth, was, or the, 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 everything was created in six days. Did that make it complete? No. No, it wasn't complete until the seventh day. Because that's when God 
was brought into the picture in a sense. Six days was the creation. The seventh day was when God said, it's okay. Seventh day was God's day of rest. The, the completed work was done on the seventh day. Six is man without God. Seven is when God is in the picture. That makes sense? What happens in the Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic when they repeat things? You think, well, they're apparent. That's what we do is repeat things. Well, it kind of, you know, when he says, verily I say unto you, you need to listen to what he says. When he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you probably should really pay attention. If he says, verily, 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 I say unto you, you better stop everything that you're doing and listen. That is how they, that's our exclamation point in, in English. You know, you have people in the, now in the day of texting, you can see them like eight in a row, <laughs> exclamation points. This is serious. Bring milk home before you come, information point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what that means is, I will rip your throat out if you come home without milk. <laughs> what that means. <laughs> God, in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, that, that repetitive adds emphasis. It's the exclamation point to it. So we have six, the number of man. Six, the number of man. Six, the number of man. <laughs> I think that what he's trying to tell us is that this person, this Antichrist, is going to be absolutely outside of the realm of God in every way. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? He is the Antichrist. That means that everything about him is in opposition to God. Everything about him. I don't believe he's going to have some stamp on his forehead that's going to be 666. Gorbachev, he was called the Antichrist because he had that birthmark. Oh, he has a birthmark on his forehead. He's got to be the Antichrist. Uh, or God. <laughs> My mother used to call me the Antichrist. She said I was the Antichrist. I'm not good enough to be the Antichrist. <laughs> he's not going to carry some stamp. He's not going to have, you know, his social security number is not going to have a 666 in it. He's going to be the number of absolute representation of man without God. Yes. yes. Times three. Six. The number of man, six, the number of man, six, the number of man. Everything about the Antichrist is against God. I know, I'm trying to close. Today, Scripture, Paul says during his time, there were Antichrists all over the world. Paul says the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Antichrist was already there. Paul was dealing with that. So what's the difference between Antichrist and the Antichrist? So you can look at people that are not serving God and they are antichrist. I mean, that's what they are. Uh, anything that is against God, when somebody uh, says, I don't need God, I don't need Him, that's antichrist. But when somebody refuses to submit to Almighty God, that's antichrist. When somebody decides to do their own way, and reject the gospel. That's Antichrist. When a pastor will get behind a pulpit and preach heresy, that is Antichrist. Yes. That's, right. That's what Antichrist is. So what's the difference? The difference between Antichrists, plural, small a, and Antichrist, big A, 
singular, the guy, is the fact that he is going to be the ultimate personification of everything that is against Almighty God. I believe he'll be a religious man. I believe he will. Uh, and I think that that's why so many will follow him. But he's not going to be a Christian man. Everything about him is going to represent an opposition to Almighty God. Now, I will say that it's striking when you look at all of the characteristics of the Antichrist outlined in Scripture and you compare that to our current president. Yeah. It does make you go, huh? <laughs> I mean, when you have Daniel that says that he'll be a stern-faced man, how often do you see Obama smile? Most of the time he's stern. He looks stern. Uh, when it talks about the fact that, that he will uh, reject everything about God, and uh, there's like 27 characteristics, and he, he meets like 23 of them or 24 of them. It's kind of spooky. Uh, do I think the Obama's the Antichrist? Not really. I, I, I'm not going that far. But he is an Antichrist. And the thing that Obama did for us that I think we ought to keep mindful of is he showed us how quickly and easily the Antichrist will come to power. Amen. When a man can rise up in a space of 12 years having never run anything, literally, never done a paper out, <laughs> nothing, not sure he knows how to turn on a stove. I mean, this guy did nothing. He was a community organizer in a very corrupt organization and became a U.S. senator and then a president with no resume. Yeah. Folks, that's exactly how the Antichrist will come to power. Yeah. The Bible says that he will come out of the earth. In another place it says out of the sea. Basically, out of the masses arises this man and you say... Who is he? I didn't even know his name two days ago, and now all of a sudden he's here. Kind of like Obama did. That's how the Antichrist is going to rise to power. I think that in a sense he was a forerunner. He was somebody that to remind us Christians just how easily and quickly the Antichrist will come to power. The Lord is coming back for his church. He will never leave you and never forsake you. He is the blessed hope of our redemption, is Almighty God. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live wondering. As they scoff at us, as Peter says, you just remember that your hope is in Christ. And that trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the clouds. We have the blessed hope. Let's pray. Father, as we look at the intensity of what's going on, we have to just look up, God, and know that our redemption draws nigh. You are truly coming for your people. Lord, I want, I want you to encourage your people today and let them know that when they look at the news and when they hear all the things that's going on and their heart is troubled, God, I pray for peace upon them. Let them know that you've never left them and you will never leave them. And no matter what it is, what it looks like, the Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout. And Lord, you're going to take us home. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for what you give us and who you are. Let us be ready. Let us be ready for that critical time when we 
are caught up together at the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And Lord, we will always be with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.